Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Hey, happy anniversary, everybody. Happy anniversary. Did you know this is the 55th anniversary of Westport Road Baptist Church? Yeah. 55 years. That was like a decade before I was born. Well, maybe not. Maybe not. But it's been an unbelievable 55 years. 55 years ago, this was a house on a potato field. And the church met in the garage. Sunday school classes were in uh, the bedrooms. And the fellowship hall was like in the, in the big room that, that they had there or something like that. 55 years ago. Chuck Hosklaw, one of our members, told me that uh, when they first moved out here, right when the church was being established, that his mom told his dad, I don't want to move out there in the country. There's never going to be anything that far out of Louisville. And uh, so uh, uh, quite a few changes have taken place since then. Um, as you well know, uh, this church has grown and prospered uh, and by the grace of God now sits on one of the busiest street corners in the entire state of Kentucky, not just in the, in the city of Louisville. And we've been enormously blessed. Uh, I know you probably think that a lot of the construction we're going through has taken forever, uh, it seems like. But we got the canopy up just in time for the rain last week and for uh, possibly the rain this week. Um, the elevator is and the new entrance is moving along finally very well. And, and uh, now they've got going very swiftly. And so a lot of that's taking place. Uh, I don't know if you saw, for those of you on Facebook that follow our church website, this was the first week last year we met in the gym. So it seems like it's taken forever on some of these projects, but this was actually the first week we met in the gym and the sanctuary renovation started. So a lot has taken place in that last year. So we've been very blessed by God and happy anniversary. Uh, with a part of that, one of the great leaders and founders of our church, uh, Dr. James B. Lewis, uh, went to be with the Lord this weekend. He was pastor here for 21 years uh, that, that this church has been around. Our church has only had four full-time pastors in 55 years. We had one pastor that started that was here about a year from the Kentucky Baptist Convention, kind of getting the church going. And uh, from that time on, only really four full-time pastors. That's a long time uh, for four pastors, 55 years. It shows uh, one of two things, either that you all are great people uh, to work with or that your pastors couldn't find any other job and were stuck here for, for a long time or something like that. I don't know. But, but it's one or the other. Uh, but Dr. Lewis was really the person that was here when the church began to grow and, and to thrive over those uh, more than two decades uh, that he was here. He was my pastor uh, growing up at Rockford Lane in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, baptized my sister. And he's the one that coined that phrase, love spoken here, that you hear a lot around our church. Uh, uh, just a very special man, gave big bear hugs, uh, uh, was a mentor and an encourager of me. Uh, you see the, the, the uh, information there about... Uh, the services, the visitation is going to be here at church 5 to 8 tonight. And I believe from 9.30 to 11 tomorrow. And then the funeral will be at 11 uh, tomorrow for those who can attend. So uh, just a, a special word of thanks to Dr. James B. Lewis and all that he meant uh, in our church. And uh, I'd like to give him one big amen, if you all don't mind. So let's go, amen, amen. 
So, Brother Jim, we love you. We're going to see you again. Hey, take your Bibles and turn over to uh, Jeremiah chapter 45. Jeremiah chapter 45. It's the shortest chapter in Jeremiah, only five sentences long, but man, it contains a lot. And we're going to be looking at that this morning. Jeremiah chapter 45. A lot of people have been asking me this morning, well, Chip, how are you doing? What's going on with you? Uh, I'm getting tired of every time I come to church, somebody has to say, it's good to have our pastor back. Uh, You know, I'd rather just be kind of taken for granted that I'm here or something like that. Uh, As you all know, a month or so ago, a little bit more than that, uh, I had a a hernia surgery. Uh, I ended up getting blood clots in my leg. I've got a blood clot that goes from my ankle. Uh, all the way up to my groin and actually past that. And uh, then last week, uh, those blood clots went up into my lungs. And uh, so um, I was in the hospital several days. Uh, They basically have said that they're going to treat it with blood thinner. The doctor was very encouraging. He said if it was going to kill you, you'd be dead now. You're not, so it's probably not going to kill you. So, I mean, I said, okay, well, that's a positive, you know, that, that I saw there. Uh, they said I could do whatever I wanted to do, uh, but uh, I wasn't going to want to do much. So uh, I'm certainly glad to be here uh, with you all was one of the things that I wanted to do. And actually, the beginning of this is a part of the sermon. It's not just me catching you up to date on my various health woes so that you can be better informed. But there was no time in all of this that I sat back and I thought, Where's God? Why isn't God doing something? Why doesn't God love me? How come God hasn't shown up or something like that? Which are questions we often ask when things aren't going well. And in chapter 45, we see a a kind of something that seems to be a side note. Jeremiah is going through all these prophecies and everything that's happened. And then suddenly he has this little uh, inclusion of, of chapter 45 that seems a little out of context But it's going to say a lot to us this morning as we look at, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, in the last three weeks, we've seen people have looked for uh, satisfaction and meaning and purpose in life through the things of the world, through uh, joy and pleasure and relationships. And we found that this world's never going to give you what you're looking for. The next week, we said a lot of people try religion. They try God, and they try to come to church and be faithful and do all the things they were supposed to do. And it still seems that they're not quite finding what we're looking for. And last week, Josh continued our sermon series and said, basically, hey, you know what? You're never going to find what you're looking for in this world, that this world wasn't made to be the place where you receive everything that you think you're supposed to have. And as we begin in chapter 45 and verse 1, that's the first thing that we see. I'm sorry. But in this world, you're never going to find what you're looking for. So if you're putting all your eggs in the basket of this world, if you're trying to find happiness and fulfillment and, and want everything that you need and expect and should have in this world, you're going to be continually disappointed and feel like God's holding out on you. Our scripture begins in verse 1. It kind of gives us the background too. It says, When Baruch the son of Neriah wrote on a scroll the words of Jeremiah the prophet, he dictated it in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah. And Jeremiah then said these words to Baruch. Now, that's actually telling you a whole lot more than you might think uh, there in our scripture passage. This, this prophecy that Jeremiah has given is to his scribe, a man by the name of Baruch. Now, who's Baruch? Baruch was a nobleman. He was a very important person in Israel. His dad was an advisor to the king. His brother is the chamberlain of the king. He runs the king's entire household. 
And at a very early age, his family's very faithful, very devoted to the Lord God. And at a very early age, he becomes a very gifted young man. Everybody thinks, man, Baruch, just like his dad and his brother, this kid's going far. And he hooks up with a young prophet by the name of Jeremiah. Now, Jeremiah at the beginning, everybody loves him. Man, he's coming. He's, he's hellfire and brimstone. Everybody loves Jeremiah. They're saying, man, this guy is the greatest prophet that there's ever been in Israel. And so Baruch hooks up with Jeremiah, becomes one of his disciples, and becomes his scribe. And by being his scribe, all the prophecies, anything Jeremiah says, Baruch copies it down. Now, things change in life, as you sometimes know. And Jeremiah goes from being really popular and loved to being somebody that nobody likes anymore and almost like a pariah. Uh, you know, the, the Harvey Weinstein thing has now, now happened to Jeremiah. He's gone from people thinking he was great to everybody hating him or something like that. And so why is he now suddenly hated? Because his prophecies have gone from good things that people wanted to hear to meddling. He's now stepping on toes and he's saying things like, if you don't repent, Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. If you don't come back to God, God's going to do away with this whole Davidic kingdom thing. If you don't, if you don't come back to God, the temple's going to be destroyed. If you don't surrender to the Babylonians, they're in a war with Babylon. If you don't surrender to the Babylonians, then all bets are off and God's judgment's coming. And so he goes from being this powerful prophet to people saying he's a traitor, he's a liar, and he's not speaking the word of God. It gets so bad that Jeremiah is forbidden to go into the temple or be in the king's presence. So Jeremiah has this prophecy from God. He tells Baruch, that's verse 1, write down the prophecy. Baruch writes it down. He says, now here's the problem. I can't go preach it, so you've got to go preach it for me. So Baruch has to go to the temple, risking his life, and preach this message of destruction to Jerusalem. When he's done, it's taken to the king, and the king gets so angry, he cuts it up and burns it in the fire. And now Baruch, this young man who thought, I'm going to be rich and famous, I'm doing everything right, I'm risking my life for God, is now hated and considered a traitor just as much as Jeremiah is. That's not what he thought was going to happen. He thought the world was going to be much different. He's in with this great prophet. He's the scribe. Everybody's going to know who he is. He's going to be rich and he's going to be famous. But it doesn't work out that way. Suddenly Baruch is hated, considered a traitor, and people are trying to kill him. And so then the questions come. Where's God? I've been faithful. I risked my very life for God. Why is God not doing anything? I held up my part. God's not holding up his part of the bargain. Is God even real? Did I do something wrong that disappointed God and I'm being punished? What in the world is going on here? And he's asking all of these questions. And we still ask them today. And whenever you ask one of those questions, it's predicated upon this idea. It's predicated upon the idea that you think that this is a good, perfect world. Sometimes some bad things happen, but if you do good, good things happen to you. Uh, if you're faithful, then all, God works everything out good for you. And it's all predicated upon this nice little world that we want to come have happen and be true. But it's not the world we live in. And that's what Baruch is starting to find out. And so he's beginning to get disappointed because he thinks God's not holding up his end of the bargain. Here's three truths about the world we live in that you need to understand. They're not easy. We don't like to hear them, 
but they're true. The first truth is we're fallen people. We're not the people God intended for us to be in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, you had this innocence, you had this perfection. After the Garden of Eden, all bets were off. People now are are sinners. Uh, Everyone is a sinner, we're told in Romans 3. Uh, None of us, so all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. People do bad things. People are not the people God intended for us to be. You get glimpses of the glory of God. We get glimpses of the image of God when those good things come out in people. But there's also that other side of us, that fallen side of us. And so we shouldn't expect people to be good all the time or perfect all the time or always do the right thing. Sometimes people are going to be selfish and petty and do evil. And so if you expect everybody to be good and right and, 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 and do the right thing all the time, you're going to end up being disappointed. We live on a planet of fallen people, and you're one of them. The second thing is we live in a fallen world. This is not the Garden of Eden. You were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, and Adam was told, look, the crops aren't going to grow the way they used to. Uh, it's not going to rain the way it used to. And so we have, have hurricanes and tsunamis and tornadoes and earthquakes, and we have droughts, and all of that comes because this isn't Eden. We live in a fallen world. As a matter of fact, in Romans 8, 27, we're told the whole creation is groaning and travailing and waiting to be redeemed just like people are. So even the planet is fallen. So you are fallen people on a fallen planet. And the third thing that we need to understand is we have an enemy. Now, that's not popular to hear today. We don't talk about the devil very much. But C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, wrote that when he read the New Testament seriously for the first time, he was stunned at how much was talked about that we have an adversary that Christians never even talk about, consider, or fight against. And yet that adversary is there. First Peter 5, 8 says, be alert and be sober-minded. When was the last time you were alert and sober-minded about the attacks of the devil? Be alert, be sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for people to devour. Fallen people, fallen planet, an enemy trying to devour you. And then you wonder why you have problems sometimes. You wonder why there's troubles. You basically were born in a war zone and you wonder why people are shooting at you. And so we look at this world and we begin to see, hey, I haven't found what I'm looking for, but I'm never going to find it among fallen people in a fallen world with an enemy trying to destroy you. Look down to verse four of our scripture passage. But the Lord has told me, say this to you, Baruch. This is what the Lord says. I will overthrow what I have built. I will uproot what I have planted throughout the earth. Should you then seek great things for yourself, do not seek them. Wow. Baruch thought, look, I've hooked up with this great prophet. Everything's going to be good. I'm going to be rich and famous. I'm even risking my life for God. And now you tell me in verse four, it's not just bad. It's going to get worse. And then you tell me, I want great things. Don't seek them for myself. They're never going to happen for me. Now, who thinks that would bust your bubble a little bit if you were Baruch? If that's the prophecy you were given. Oh, write this down. And by the way, God's got a prophecy for you. You think you're going to be rich and famous. It's not going to happen. All that bad stuff happening to you is going to get worse. So that brings us to the second thing that we see. Baruch gets depressed. Because what happens then is as you begin to put it together, the world's never going to be what I thought it was going to be. I'm never going to find what I'm looking for in this life. Realizing this world's never going to give you what you hope for, it often leads to depression. 
And that's exactly what happens to Baruch as he begins to struggle with these things. Go back to verse 2. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to you, Baruch. You said, woe is me. The Lord has added sorrow to my pain. I am worn out with groaning. I find no rest. So this is Baruch. He's gone off the deep end. Nothing's going to work out. He's depressed. And so he says, woe is me. I'm worn out. I groan all day long. God's added sorrow to my pain. There's never going to be any rest. So he gets depressed. And that's what often happens with us. When we see the world isn't always going to be the place that we want it to be, the place we think it should be, and we see the world's often not fair, and that bad things even happen to good people, sometimes we start getting depressed. And then several things happen when that takes place. One thing that often happens is we just lose faith. People give up on God. If God loved me, if God really cared, this bad thing wouldn't have happened in my life. But since this bad thing happened, it means God isn't real or he doesn't care about me, so forget the God thing. And I know a lot of people who have given up on God because they've had problems in their life. Troubles have hit them. And they said, I prayed, I looked, God did nothing, it's over with. We're not looking at it from the idea of fallen people, fallen world, an enemy trying to destroy us. There's going to be casualties in the battle and you're being shot at. We just look at it. This is supposed to be a perfect world. God didn't make my world perfect, so I give up on God. A second thing we do when that happens is that sometimes then uh, we look at this whole world and we say, well, I'm just going to give up expecting anything from God. I'm not going to give up my faith, but I don't expect God to actually do anything in the real world. I don't expect God to actually help me in real life. Uh, He's out there theoretically. I hope I go to heaven, but, uh, you know, I don't expect him to actually show up and do anything. A third thing we do is we try to try to distract ourselves from it. So uh, instead of thinking about the world being unfair and not giving us what we want, we, uh, we medicate ourselves with drugs and alcohol. We find something to fill that void that we know is missing. We might try sex or pleasure. We might try uh, a sports team and become a rabid sports fan uh, or something like that. We find things to distract us from the fact we're not getting what we want out of the world. And then what most people do is they just exist. They don't really think about it at all. They just try to go from one day to the next and they just exist because like Baruch, when the world doesn't work out the way we want it to and the way that it should be, we just give up. And so we just go through it. So that was your encouraging word for today. Okay. World's never going to be the place you want it to be. And that can often lead to you being depressed because it's not the place you wanted it to be. And that brings us to the last thing we're going to talk about. So does God even want us to be happy? If we live in a world of fallen people and a fallen world and an enemy trying to destroy us, does God even want me to be happy? And I would say the answer to that is sure. God likes it when you're happy. God God enjoys it when you have a good day. He smiles when your things are going well. But God's goal for your life is not your happiness. He has a lot bigger goals planned for you than just being happy. I know when my kids were little, we used to take them to amusement parks and you'd spend all kinds of money trying to make your kids happy. And they could be on a ride and I wouldn't be riding it. I would just be watching them, taking the pictures. Anybody try to get to the right angle and take the pictures, you're trying to get them smiling when they're doing that. 
You're having as good a time as they are just watching them be happy. And you spend a lot of money at that amusement park to help make them happy. God likes it when you're happy. God has nothing against you being happy. He wants you to be happy, but God has something far greater planned for you than simple happiness. At the end of verse 5, what we see is God wants you to be happy, but he's more concerned with who you are and how you live in this fallen world. So look down to verse 5 now. Here is Baruch. He's been told, hey, look, don't wish great things for yourself. It's not going to happen. world's never going to be what you want it to be. As a matter of fact, Baruch, things are going to get worse, not better. And what he meant by that is Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. The temple's going to be destroyed. The Babylonians are going to come in and slaughter everybody. It's about to get really bad, Baruch. Don't think it's going to work out the way you want it to. It's not. Verse 5, should you then seek great things for yourself, don't seek them. I'm going to bring disaster on all people, declares the Lord. And then there's that word that sometimes I love in Scripture. But, but, wherever you go, you will escape with your life. Now, that doesn't exactly sound like the happiness that we're seeking in this world, does it? But this is what he's telling Baruch. Man, you live in a tough time. The Babylonians are attacking. It's going to be an all-out slaughter. Thousands are going to be killed. Jerusalem destroyed. The temple brown into ruins. Chaos is coming and it's upon you. But I make you a promise. You are my faithful servant. I do love you. And no matter how bad it gets, I'm always going to bring you through it. And you're always going to get out of it alive because I do love you. You see, that's not what we're seeking in this world. We want the world to be perfect. What Baruch would have wanted God to do is say, no, destroy the Babylonian army. Don't let Jerusalem fall. Let all the people repent and let me be rich and famous. And God says, well, that's nice. That'd be great if that happened, but it's not reality. And so you've got to be ready because it's going to be tough. But as, as tough as it gets, I'm going to be with you every step of the way And no matter what happens, you're going to come out of it with your life because I'm walking with you every step of the way. You know, sometimes as we raise our kids, we try to protect our kids from all problems and troubles. We put them in a little bubble and we try to make sure that they never have any challenges. Nothing bad ever happens in their life because we're trying to protect our kids from all the bad in the world. Now, you wouldn't want to be an overprotective mom or dad if you didn't think that there was actually a world out there that was kind of tough. Okay, you're only doing that because, you know, it's a bad world you've experienced. The job of a parent is not to protect their kid from a bad world. The job of a parent is to give their kid the resources, the toughness, and the faith and courage to live in a world that isn't the way they want it to live. And if you don't do that, then you're not raising your kids with the resources they need. Because one day they're going to leave you and they're going to go off to college or they're going to get married or whatever. Uh, and, And when they do, what do they know? Well, I grew up with any time anything almost bad happened in my life, mom and dad jumped in and rescued me. Instead of them saying, no, you need to understand this is a tough world, but you've got a God that's going to be with you and help you get through it and encourage you and strengthen you. And you've got to be a certain kind of person in that world. You see, that's what God's concerned about. Not whether or not you have a perfect world, because this isn't a perfect world and there's not going to be one till heaven. But in this world, how are you living? 
What kind of person are you? When everything falls apart, are you the one helping other people? There were some dramatic stories in the shooting in Las Vegas where uh, uh, I read one about a guy who was a Marine who, uh, instead of running away from the gunfire, did exactly what the commercials say. He stood there for a second, saw where the bullets were hitting, and ran towards the bullets. Why does any sane person do that? Because he knew that's where the people were going to be hurt, and he was going to help them. What kind of person are you when the troubles come? What kind of faith do you have? How do you care for others? What example do you show? That's what God's concerned about. He likes it when you're happy. He wants you to be happy, but this world's never going to give you ultimate happiness and fulfillment. You're going to have troubles. If you live very long, people you love are going to die. You're going to have health issues. I know. I'll vouch for that one. Uh, You're going to have a lot of things that go wrong in your life. You'll have relationship troubles and problems at work and maybe lose your job and have financial woes. You're going to have a lot of stuff hit you. And instead of saying back and saying, where's God? Why didn't he do something? To have a more mature understanding of my God loves me. He's not here to take away my problems. He's the one that walks through the valley of the shadow of death with me. Makes all the difference in the world how you view the world. So I know a lot of you out there are big Lord of the Ring fans. Well, there's a famous line in the Lord of the Rings. When everything's falling apart, they're trying to find and kill Frodo. Uh, The earth's about to go into utter chaos. And Frodo looks at the wizard Gandalf and he says, I wish none of this would have happened. It's not the world I want. I'm not happy. Don't want to do this anymore. Wished it wouldn't have happened. And Gandalf looks at Frodo and he says, so's everybody. But ours is not to choose the time and place in which we live. The only choice we have is how we live when that time comes upon us. You see, J.R.R. Tolkien was a strong man of God, and that was a statement of faith. It's not that the world's perfect. It's how you live as a man or woman of God when the world's not perfect that counts. And that's what Baruch is being told here. You're looking for all these good things, and that's fine, but that's not the time you're living in. Chaos is coming, but I'm going to be with you every single step of the way. In John 16, 33, Jesus put it this way. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome this world. In the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about then how do we live in this world? If this world isn't about my ultimate happiness and self-actualization, wasn't that a big word? Yeah. If that's not what this world is about, then what's it about and how do we live in it? And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. And next week, we're going to be talking about things we do that actually destroy what little happiness we might find. We're happiness busters. Uh, God does want you to be happy. He does want you to enjoy this world. But we do things to intentionally destroy what happiness we have. And so we're going to talk about happiness busters and what to do about them uh, to really live this life and to get the most out of it that we can. And that will be next week. And I know you all can't wait. Uh, Let's have a prayer. Father, you know, some of the words we've heard today were not easy to hear. And yet... 
It's a more mature and realistic understanding of the world in which we live. We all want this world to be perfect. We don't want to have any problems. And we know it's not supposed to be the way that it is, and it's not. Man, you put eternity in our hearts. But, Father, we don't live in that world right now. Help us, Father, to gain the resources and the strength and the encouragement we need to live realistically in this world that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen. hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.